You're listening to the Wear Wag Repeat Podcast, the only show 100% dedicated to highlighting women in all areas of the pet industry. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Tori Mystic, the founder and the boss here at Wear Wag Repeat. And I'm excited for today's solo episode. I am going to be talking about how to create a really awesome survey to fetch some valuable feedback from your audience and your customers and potential customers. I love that so many people in the Wear, Wag, Repeat community have been creating and sharing surveys recently, but I would love to see more people using surveys, and there's been a few questions in our free Facebook group uh, about how to create effective products and services for people's audiences. And I think the answer a lot of the time is do a survey. (laughs) So in this episode... I'm going to be sharing a few things with you. Here is um, kind of like a little outline of what to expect. So we'll talk about the anatomy of an effective survey. I'll share two examples, one from a business that I admire, and then also some examples from my own business. I'll tell you how surveys can be used to gather testimonials, which are really great social proof to use on all of your sales pages, product pages, about pages, social media, pretty much everywhere. Then we'll break down open-ended versus close-ended questions and finish up with some best practices so that you can go out there and create your own surveys. If you are new to the podcast, this year I am alternating solo episodes with interview episodes. Uh, So next week I will have a really awesome interview. I can't stop thinking about this conversation. Um, It is really fascinating. Uh, I think you're going to want to hear about it. So please make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And if you really want to make sure that you don't miss anything, please make sure you're on my email list and you can do so at wherewagrepeat.com slash podcast. Okay, now let's dive into this episode. I just want to get straight to it. So why do surveys matter? I've personally been doing surveys in my business for years. Even back before Wear, Wag, Repeat, I had other blogs and other businesses that I ran, and I have been doing surveys for a long time. I find them to be so valuable. So they're a great way to gauge customer satisfaction. Um, Sometimes people don't want to tell you to your face how they feel about something. So sending out an anonymous survey is a great way to get feedback from people. Kind of tied into that is your survey can help you identify places where you might need to make some changes or some improvements. Based on your survey responses, you might see that um, you know you're missing something, or something needs to be changed or explained in a different way. Um, or maybe if you have a product, maybe that product keeps breaking for a lot of people at the same time, or maybe they don't understand how to use the product, and you need to provide them with a little bit more education. Surveys can also be used when you are working on a new product or a new service idea. So I personally have launched many different initiatives and projects, and sometimes in hindsight, I realize that there are things that I thought were awesome, but not necessarily things that my audience thought were awesome. If I had just done a simple survey and sent it out to a lot of people, 
I could have saved myself countless hours and money and so much effort when I was launching things that I loved, but maybe not everybody else loved. Surveys are also just a great way to engage and involve your community. Um, People love to feel like they are part of the decision-making process in your business. Um, I, you know, in in one of my courses, my online course about how to create an on-demand online store, a big part of that is doing little mini surveys along the way, asking your audience to get involved of, would you like a t-shirt or a um, baseball cap, or would you like a tote bag or a dog leash. Um, And just that counts as surveys, just doing little polls on Instagram stories. Those are all surveys. And as we know from Instagram stories, those are great ways to increase your engagement level. So it can't just be social media. You can increase your engagement anywhere. Uh, And doing a survey is a really great way to do that because your audience will feel like their opinion matters and that you really care what they think. Um, And we don't just want to make them feel that way. We actually do want to care what they think because once you can unlock what your audience wants and just give them exactly what they want, that's when you can start working smarter not harder. Uh, And that is a big thing for me. I am always trying to give people exactly what they want because when you don't, you're, you're really working way harder than you have to. So, okay, finally, another reason why surveys matter is that they're a great way to collect testimonials and success stories so that you can keep selling more and more of whatever it is that you do. So um, I'm going to do a separate episode. As I was working on the outline for this, it was getting a little bit involved. (laughs) I wanted to include a section for you about when you might want to use a survey and like in what circumstances you might want to do that. I'm going to do a whole separate episode on that in two weeks. So look for episode 284 coming out in a couple of weeks, and I will give you over 10 different circumstances and places and times when you might want to do a survey and lots of examples. Um, But for this episode, let's just dive into exactly how to create a really effective survey. Okay, so here's a few things um, that I want to point out and make sure that you are aware of. So length and time of your survey. This is really important. You don't want your survey to be too long. Uh, What is the ideal number of questions? That's a tough question to answer. I think that it kind of comes down to what questions do you need to ask to get the information that you want, <laughs> which I know is a bit of a smart ass response, um, but it's the same thing is like, you know, when you're writing a blog post, how long should the blog post be? as long as you need it to be to answer the questions that you're answering. So your survey, there's not necessarily an ideal number of questions. However, I think there's an ideal time for how long it takes someone to complete this. And depending on what kind of program or software you're using, I use Typeform for a lot of my surveys, for pretty much all of my surveys. Typeform has a free version and a paid version, but what's great about it is it will tell you the average completion time, and I think it will tell you even for each respondent what their completion time was for the survey. And this is really important because if it takes longer than 10 minutes to answer your survey or your questionnaire, that is way too long. 
I think you want to keep it closer to five minutes. Um, that's what I aim for. A lot of my shorter surveys that I send out, the completion time is like three minutes. So you want to make sure that it is short. You don't want your audience to get frustrated. So in order to keep it short, um, you need to really craft and strategize your questions so that you're getting the information that you want and so that people aren't frustrated and giving up halfway through. So make sure that your questions are super clear and super simple. You do not want to ask any compound questions. This is going back to like third grade. I remember working on this with uh, Mrs. Harvest or whoever my third grade teacher was. You don't want to ask compound questions. It should just be one question per item. Make sure that it's super, super clear. Avoid any kind of like industry jargon, you know, if your audience isn't going to understand that. Um, when I'm making surveys, you know, I have kind of two different sides of my audience. I have you guys, the petpreneurs, and then I also have pet parents. And I wouldn't really send the same survey to those two different audiences. It's going to be very different topics, very different questions. So for example, if you're talking to pet parents and you're a dog trainer, um, they might not necessarily have a good understanding of different dog training terms like positive reinforcement um, or contra freeloading or something like that. Um, that's going to be industry jargon that you definitely want to avoid uh, if you're speaking to average pet parents. You know, If you're speaking to people in your industry and they're going to get it, then of course, go ahead, unleash the jargon. <laughs> um, but in general, you want to make it super clear, super simple. Okay. Simplicity is the key here. Then in your questions, you also want to consider open-ended versus close-ended questions. Now, what does that mean? Let me tell you in detail what open-ended versus close-ended questions are. So, um, First of all, open-ended questions are ones where you're going to ask people for like a short sentence or a short paragraph response. Um, for example, for people in Wear Wagger Pete Society, what has Wear Wagger Pete Society helped you with the most? Uh, and someone could provide a short little answer. Um, but you know, I am trying to keep it simple and keep it clear, asking what is the number one thing that it's helped you with the most? Not, you know, list 12 things and provide data and backup. It that's too much. We want to keep it simple and keep it clear. So this that can be really helpful. You can get some really interesting insight from people. Um, however, they're more challenging to answer. And the more open-ended your question is, um, the more it requires your respondents to like think about their answer and maybe they don't have time to put that much thought into it, they might abandon it and move on to the next question or they might just abandon your survey period and um, cancel out of it. So on the flip side, we also have close-ended questions. Now, close-ended questions would be like, how often do you listen to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast? Always, sometimes, rarely, never. 
That'd be a multiple choice question. Or uh, are you on the wear, wag, repeat email list? Yes or no. (laughs) These are very, very clear multiple choice, yes or no, or like ranking on a scale of one to 10 kind of questions. Uh, And these questions are great because they give you really easy to understand data. So you're going to be able to see if someone's ranking something on a scale of one to 10, you are going to see on average on a scale of one to 10, how much people like whatever your thing is. And it's going to give you really clear data. Um, In the open-ended questions, you're going to have to read every single response. So if you're sending this out to a small group of people, that might be great. If you're sending it out to thousands and thousands of people, it might be kind of challenging. Um, I sent a I send a reader survey out um, pretty much every year. I might not have done one this year, so I'm probably due to do that. Um, but I previously have asked my entire audience of thousands of people <laughs> what their favorite brands are, either pet related or not pet related. And I got tons of great responses, and I used that data to then go out and pitch some of these brands for uh, influencer collaborations or to join their affiliate networks so that then I could share affiliate links to the actual brands I already know my audience is buying. But I had to read all of those responses individually, and there were hundreds, if not a thousand of them. And some people misspelled brand names. So even when I exported the data to a spreadsheet and tried to kind of collate it. Um, Some people used commas to separate their answers. Some people didn't. Some people used periods. Some people misspelled stuff or some brands just had different spellings or different kind of combinations of words that you could use. So it was a lot harder to analyze that data, but it was super valuable and, and very rich data. So in your survey, you do want to consider having a mix of open-ended and close-ended questions. Okay, now I want to break down for you a couple different examples. Um, I just gave you a few um, just sort of off the top of my head, but one survey that I actually just found in my Google Drive that I had uh, extrapolated all of the questions and possible answers to this survey because I loved it so much, it was from the Being Boss podcast. And if you've never listened to that show, it's a wonderful podcast. The host, Emily Thompson, is really awesome. And I was in a mastermind program that she hosted several years ago. So I really got an insider look at her business and how she does things. And I admire her so much. So I actually loved her podcast survey so much that I took note of it and I have it saved in my Google Drive because it was just so great. So she has it broken down into a bunch of different types of questions. And there's a mix of like multiple choice, close-ended and open-ended. And I love how it's broken down into questions that are going to give her valuable data. So for instance, she has a few that give her data on her demographic. So she says, how old are you? What is your profession? So that's giving her a really good idea of who exactly her listeners are or who her survey responders are. Then she asks a series of behavioral questions, kind of getting to know her audience's behavior and how they interact with her and their own businesses. So for example, those questions were, how often do you listen to the podcast and how many hours a week do you spend on your business? 
She also asked some questions that were designed to get additional feedback and suggestions for her and her show and really, um, really lean into that audience engagement and, and helping people um, feel like they're part of the process. So those questions were, what has Being Boss helped you with the most? And what would you like to see us create? So that's a really great way for her to get feedback from her audience, but you can see it's not that many questions. I think it was less than 10 questions. Most of them were close-ended, like multiple choice or ranking on a scale or picking um, you know, how many hours they were working on their business. But then there was at the end, a few open-ended ones that once people kind of got warmed up with the standardized responses, maybe they'd be more open to giving more open-ended feedback. Okay. Another example I want to share with you is um, some questions that I have asked to Wear, Wag, Repeat Society members. Every year, I do um, also send out a survey to members in Wear, Wag, Repeat Society just to see you know, which lessons people like the most so I can design the next year's curriculum, what programs people enjoyed, if I should make any changes, if I'm doing too much or doing too little in any areas. Um, so um, one question that I start off with is, how well does society membership support you? And that is ranking on a scale of one to 10. Then I also ask at the end, um, an open-ended question that, um, has been really helpful. Uh, so that question is, is there anything I could do to make renewing a no brainer? And I love asking this question and I love seeing the responses because First of all, it's a little bit of an ego boost. A lot of the responses say, there's nothing you could do. I'm already going to renew. I love it so much. So that's really helpful. But what I love about this is if I do get any constructive feedback, I can implement that and make sure to tell people, hey, I heard you. I'm listening. I'm making these changes. But also, that question gets people thinking about renewing and gets them thinking about um, keeping me and my membership as part of their life and their business moving forward. So I just really love the psychology of that question. And in both cases, the Being Boss survey and the Wear, Rag, Repeat Society membership survey, we both wrap up with the question, an open-ended one, is there anything else you'd like to add? And it's really just good to put that in there. In my experience, most people don't add anything or they'll just add something cute like, you know... I, I like I like being part of your world or whatever whatever that is or have a great day or tell Bert and Lucy I said hi <laughs> or something like that. Um, but it's just a nice little way to end it uh, in case anyone wants to share any last thoughts. So the Where Wag Repeat membership survey also kind of doubles as a testimonial. So I want to just talk really briefly here about how you can use your survey to gather testimonials. So testimonials are really, really important to incorporate on your website, in your emails, on your product pages, on your sales pages, for your courses, for your in-person classes, anything that you're offering. Testimonials are so powerful and so wonderful because we know that you think that your thing is great. but to other people agree with you. <laughs> that social proof is so essential to helping us convince other people to sign on with us or buy our things. 
So um, there's a couple other questions that I incorporate into my society survey that help me put together really great testimonials and also kind of help me write my sales page and my sales emails and all of that kind of stuff. So one question I love to ask there is, what hesitations did you have about joining Wagger Pete Society? And I think that I make this open-ended, um, but it might be a good one to make a close-ended question um, because now that I've done the survey a few times, I can see what the most common answers are. So that's a nice little suggestion there is that once you do your surveys and you see what the responses are and you want to do the survey again next year or a couple months from now or whatever... I would advise that you go back and look at your responses and see where you might be able to simplify your survey. Remember, we want this to be as simple as possible. Another great question that you can ask in your survey if you want it to be used for gathering testimonials is to ask, uh, would you recommend Wear, Wag, Repeat Society to a friend? Why or why not? And this is a more open-ended question. This is really the question where I gather the testimonial that I will be using on my sales page, on my website, on my emails, on social media, on all of this kind of stuff. So I really want to know if my members and my audience were talking to their friends and saying, hey, you should really join this membership. I think you would really enjoy it. Um, I want to know exactly what they would say, how they would phrase it if they were talking to a friend. So I just ask them. (laughs) I put them in the mindset, would you recommend this to a friend? Why or why not? One final thing that I want to point out about getting testimonials is that consent is really important here. You want to make sure that you are asking for permission specifically to use these responses as a testimonial. Otherwise, I don't think that people would assume that you're going to be using their answers and their responses in that way in a public forum. So just always make sure that you have a little checkbox or something somewhere saying, is it okay to use this as a testimonial on my website, sales page, et cetera. Um, and if, you, if it were me, I also ask people um, to include a little headshot. I want to make sure I have their full name and their business name uh, and that I have permission and consent to use all of that stuff in their testimonials. Okay, so wrapping up this episode, I want to share with you some more best practices in creating your surveys. So in terms of structuring your survey, I would recommend that you start with the close-ended questions because these are easier and they're quicker to answer. They're going to warm people up and give them a couple of just quick little zings of, oh, this was easy. Um, then that way, you know, you're making sure that people don't drop off or quit out of the survey too soon. You want to limit the number of open-ended questions, Uh, and and while these can be really valuable, they're a lot harder for your audience to answer, and they're a lot harder for you to analyze that data. So like I mentioned before, anywhere that you can find an open-ended question that can be changed into a closed-ended question, I would do so. Uh, So you want to make sure that your survey is really easy for your audience to answer, and you want to make sure that the data is going to be helpful for you as well. You can also test out your survey. So before you 
send it out to your entire list or your whole audience. You can send it out to a few people. I always send pretty much everything that I do to my sister. (laughs) And I have my sister fill out everything and go through all of my courses and look for errors and typos and places where it's confusing. She's looked at all of my surveys and she's always pointing out things that don't make sense. And it's really helpful to have someone like that. If you're in Wagger Pete Society, of course, you would have a whole group of people in there who would be delighted to look at your survey and provide feedback for you. Membership is open at wearwaggerpeach.com slash society if you want to get in on that and have just a great supportive community of people to help you with whatever it is that you're working on in your business. A few more other um, helpful little best practices and tips. Now I'm getting tongue-tied here at the end, Um, but I just want to mention this is that for some surveys, it's good to provide some kind of an incentive. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. It's not going to mean that you get bad data (laughs) if you are incentivizing people to do it, Um, but it can be really helpful to just encourage people to click through A lot of times for my big survey that I do with my entire audience, I'll say, you know, one person who fills this out will win a gift card. I used to offer a gift card to my store, but maybe I would offer um, an Amazon gift card or a Visa gift card or just cash (laughs) or a mystery prize pack or whatever it is, Um, offering some kind of discount or giveaway or exclusive content can be a great incentive to get people to answer a survey. If you provide any kind of like online coaching or services in that way, you could also provide like a free one-on-one call. It could be like a 20-minute call um, to one person who's randomly picked after completing the survey. You also want to make sure that you are using the feedback you get in your survey. Um, So after you've gathered your responses, uh, it it used to be kind of trendy. I don't know if people still do this, but I remember a lot of pet bloggers and and other bloggers in all niches would share the results of their survey. And it was like really cool and exciting. I always loved looking at the results of other people's surveys. And as a matter of fact, ConvertKit does that now. ConvertKit does a huge um, survey every year about the... The creator economy, and I reply to the survey every year, and then they put together a huge, beautiful report about the creator economy, and um, that's really fun to look through. And it, it really shows people that they are listening, they're using your data, they're using your feedback, um, and that you know you're part of this. That um, you know, seeing that report and reading the results uh, is just is just fascinating. Um, It's also great to um, just provide some regular check-ins with people. So don't just do one survey one time and then never do it ever again. (laughs) I think it's really nice to say like, this is my annual survey or quarterly survey or end of year survey or whatever it is. Um, And then that way people kind of might look forward to it the next time that it comes around. So I hope this episode has inspired you to think about what you might ask your audience in a survey. I will be sharing in two weeks a whole other episode about the many, many places, times, and circumstances where you might want to use a survey. But I hope this episode just gets you thinking about the questions, whether they're open-ended or close-ended, and how you might be able to use this data. And then come back in two weeks for episode 284, where I will 
will share over 10 different places and times when you might want to use a survey. Before we have that episode coming up next week, like I mentioned, I have a fascinating interview. It is with Dr. Shannon Falconer. She is leading a revolution in the pet food industry with cultured meat. Mm, Very interesting, right? This is a sustainable, cruelty-free alternative that offers optimal nutritional benefits with a lot less environmental impact. It is very, very interesting. Uh, I can't stop thinking about my conversation and I bring it up to anyone who will listen. So I can't wait for that episode to come out so I can just tell people, go listen to this episode. If you want to make sure that you don't miss anything, please subscribe to this podcast anywhere that you listen to it and make sure you're on my email list too, so that you don't miss that interview or any future surveys that I might send out. (laughs) And of course, if you have any feedback or special requests for the show, I would love to hear about it. You can reach out to me through my website, wherewagrepeat.com. You can find me on social media at wherewagrepeat and at T-Mystic, or come join the free Facebook group, Where Wag Repeat Labs. Have a great week, and I'll see you back here next Wednesday.